Amen. Have a seat. Let me give you statistics here. According to the Cleveland Clinic, our brains process about 70,000 thoughts per day. Isn't that even hard to fathom? But it makes sense because our, our minds, they never shut off, do they? It's consciously or subconsciously, we're always thinking about things. So about 70,000 thoughts per day. Now, I want to tell you a little bit of bad news about these thoughts. And this may end up blowing your mind like it did for me. Out of these 70 thoughts, according to the National Science Foundation, 80% of our thoughts are negative. And out of those 80% that are negative... 95% of our thoughts are repetitive. So it's no wonder while many of us are in a bad mood. <laughs> it's because of our thought process. I mean, if you think about it, over time, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, we have trained our minds to think negatively. And not only do we think negatively, those negative thoughts are like in a pattern that can't be broken. They're repetitive. Over and over again, we think these negative things about God, about ourselves, about other people, about our jobs, about the world, about everything. It's no wonder while many of us are miserable. That's the bad news. But I do have good news. What if I told you there is a simple way to short-circuit this repetitive process of our thoughts to where we don't have to think like that anymore. If you're Superman fans in here, what if I told you there's a kryptonite to those negative, repetitive thoughts that will weaken them entirely and that you don't have to think negative, repetitive thoughts anymore? That there is a way forward for all of us in that way. You want to know what it is? Do you want to know what it is? Okay, good. I want to make sure everyone's awake. All right. Open your Bibles. That's always the answer, right? Jesus in the Bible. But no, open your Bibles. I want you to go all the way to the midway of your Bible in the book of Psalms. I want you to go all the way almost towards the end of the Psalms, and I want to be with you and read through Psalm 136 today. So we're going to look at Psalm 136 and some of the contents in there. And as we do, let me begin by reading just the first three verses so you kind of get an understanding of where the psalmist is going. Here's Psalm 136, verses 1 through 3. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his faithful love endures forever. Forever, You start to see the pattern here of this psalm. All the way through the psalm, there is a pattern here. And the psalmist, he repeats a couple different phrases over and over again. And if you're familiar with studying the Bible, you know that if the psalmist or the author of whatever book you're reading is repeating something, that means you need to pay attention. And here the psalmist repeats these phrases over and over again. In fact, in Psalm 136 alone, he repeats the phrase, give thanks, 12 different times. And then throughout the verses, he gives reasons for giving thanks, and then every single time he ends it with this phrase, 26 times, his faithful love endures forever. Now, we're not 100% sure who wrote this psalm, but we are 100% sure why it was written and for what purpose. Theologian C. John Collins puts it this way, this hymn calls on the worshiping congregation to give thanks to the Lord 
who has shown his steadfast love throughout the history of God's people. So the psalmist, he writes this hymn to be sung in worship. That those uh, Israelites would come into the temple and they would turn their attention to God and worship then and worship now is for one purpose and one purpose alone and it's to help us to understand and have a new perspective that God is on the throne. It is to shift our perspective from seeing things the way that we ought to see them and now we see things the way God sees things. Because if you're like me throughout the week, I'm always just seeing things the way that I see it happening. It's no wonder that my thoughts are mostly negative and repetitive. But if we can go and see things from God's perspective, then we can start to understand what he sees about us, about the world, and how we can see him in a whole new way. And so the psalmist, he repeats this phrase over and over again. He gives thanks for God for four different categories. Three of them have to do with God's character, and one has to do with God's care for us. So, the first one, they thank God for being the creator. That they turn their attention to the one who created us, they created everything in the world, and they just thank him for creating everything that we see. The psalmist in Psalm 136, 4 through 9 says, Give thanks to him who alone does mighty miracles, his faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who made the heavens so skillfully, his faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who placed the earth among the waters, his faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who made the heavenly lights, his faithful love endures forever. The sun to rule the day, his faithful love endures forever. And the moon and the stars to rule the night, his faithful love endures forever. There are times when I'll be in a bad mood or I'm going through something and it's Thursday night and that means it's my, my turn to go out and take out the garbage. So I go out and on a Thursday night and oftentimes I take out the garbage and there are many a times when I just stop and I look up and, and it's a clear night. You just see the stars and the moon and it just changes my perspective. Giving thanks to the one who hung the stars and the moon. You wake up early in the morning, you see the sunrise. Or you go downtown and you're on the lakefront and you see the sunset. And how can you not think that there's a creator behind all of that? We give thanks to him for everything, including creating ourselves. And then the psalmist says, he's a deliverer. He's going to reflect upon delivering the Israelites from the Egyptians. We see this here in Psalm 136, verse 16. It says, give thanks to him who led his people through the wilderness. His faithful love endures forever. He's telling his people, look back in history. Look how God delivered us from those evil Egyptians. Sometimes we have to look back to know that God is faithful. We can trust him right now because all that he's done before this. The psalmist does something similar when he says, thank God for being a provider. Early in God's uh, history and relationship with Israel, he promised them land. What well, we see in Psalm 136, verse 21, God gave the land of these kings and his inheritance. His faithful love endures forever. God, he's a creator. He's a provider. He's a deliverer. But he also cares for us. He is constantly caring for us. Whether it's big things or small things, God continues to notice us 
and where we are and wants to bless us and who we are. I, I see this in Psalm 136, 23, verse 26. Look what it says here. It says, he remembered us in our weakness. His faithful love endures forever. He saved us from our enemies. His faithful love endures forever. I love this. It just focus on the little blessing. He gives food to every living thing. His faithful love endures forever. So let's give thanks to the God of heaven for his faithful love endures forever. All the way through this psalm, it's about giving thanks and recognizing God's faithful love throughout Israel's history. And because he is faithful, we can trust him now. We can thank him for who he is and what he's done for us. Now I want you to imagine walking into the temple back then as an Israelite. Maybe they're walking in discouraged. They have fear. They feel hopeless. And all of a sudden they start to sing this psalm together and they start to think through who God is and how he cares for them. Don't you think their perspective would have changed? Don't you see that they would have thought, wow, what an amazing God that we really have and how he does care for us. And I wonder if they would have left worship that day feeling hope-filled, feeling joy-filled, feeling peace. Guess what worship does? It changes our perspective. It's not about singing our favorite songs. It's understanding we're singing songs to God because he deserves it. For he is a good creator and a provider and a deliverer. He he constantly cares for us. It should shift our perspective. And I think more than ever, especially now in our culture, and knowing how easy it is to be negative, we need a perspective change. We need to remember that God is who he is and that he cares for you and I, even when it feels like he doesn't. And so if you want to short circuit those thoughts in your mind, if you want that kryptonite that will weaken those negative, repetitive thoughts once and for all, you just need to do one thing. And it's just to give thanks. Give thanks. That alone will change your perspective. And when your thoughts change, It changes your emotions. It changes your affections. It changes the way you live. We're um, steadily approaching Thanksgiving in about a week and a half. I don't know how that's possible, but it's coming. And what I love about Thanksgiving is being with family and sitting around the table and just recounting the blessings that God has given us. Some of the things that I thank God for is my family that's gathered around the table. I thank God for the food that he's provided. I thank God for my mother-in-law's homemade pumpkin pie with whipped cream. What I would say is the very best pie on the planet. She's not even here today. I would say that even if she wasn't here. I mean, that's how good it is. And in fact, if you're like Eric, I can promise you that my pie or my mom's pie or someone else's pie is better. I will be the judge of that. If you want to drop it off, my office hours are Monday through Thursday here, anytime. I will help uh, settle that debate for you. But I'm thankful just for those things. I'm thankful for loyal, faithful friends who, who don't leave my side. I'm thankful for a country where we live today, where we're free. I was thinking about that this past Friday. If you're a veteran here, just thank you so much 
for putting your life on the line so we can come in and not just have the freedoms that we have every day, but we can worship today freely while other people around the world, they have to secretly worship God. And there's so many little blessings that I oftentimes think about on Thanksgiving because that's the day where we're gathered with our loved ones and we're thankful for what God has given us. But then I started to think about, what about all of the other 364 days of the year? I mean, why don't we have that same posture before the Lord those days as we do on Thanksgiving? I am convinced that the other 364 days are spent not thanking God for what we do have, but complaining about what we don't have. Or comparing what others have with what we don't have. Or complaining about what we wish we had. Or focusing on all of the things that maybe we wish we had. And because we don't have those things, we're miserable and we're sad. And then we get on Facebook, we see what everybody else is doing, what everybody else has. And it drives us into even more despair. And it's no wonder that we're miserable all the time. Because we spend most of our time complaining and focusing on what we don't have. I mean, how true is that? Think about your life for a moment. When's the last time you were just thankful for your kids and you didn't just complain about them because of their behavior? I do that all the time. Like I'm just, I get so frustrated with my kids. They're, they're little and they play WWE all the time and, and the boys, they fight. I mean, I was not even out of bed today and I could hear rumbling downstairs. I'm like, oh my goodness, here we go. And I was wondering if I just thanked God that God actually blessed me with kids because so many want kids, and they can't have kids for whatever reason. Why not be thankful for the kids that I have? That will change everything. Or when we're thankful for our jobs, I mean, so many of us, we walk in our job like, we have to do this, I don't want to go to work. And I'm not saying your job is easy, but if you started to thank God that you have a job and so many people don't have a job, or we thanked God for the apartment that we live in, or the condo that we live in, or the house that we live in, instead of wanting everybody else's house, there are people living on the streets today who don't have any indoor plumbing or any food available to them. And yet we complain because we don't have an extra car to put in the garage. Or we don't have that boat. Or we don't have a bigger house. I mean, we lose perspective so easily. It's part of those 70,000 thoughts we've trained our mind to think negatively and repetitively. And when we do that, it pushes God out the window. We're not thankful for who he is. Thankful for what he's given us, thankful for how he cares for us. I'm telling you, you want to change your life, change the way you think. And if you want to change the way you think, thank God for who he is and what he's given you. It will change your life. Jesus, he came along and he re-emphasized re this word thankfulness, but he, he does it a little differently. He adds on to the meaning in a real way. If you look in the New Testament, there's different words for the word thanksgiving, but the standard word that we oftentimes interact with in the New Testament is the Greek word eucharistio. And if you hear that word eucharistio and you think, oh, that sounds like the Lord's Supper, that's exactly where you will find it. In fact, when you look at Luke 22, 19 through 20, we see the word eucharistio in Jesus' description of the Lord's Supper. 
he says this, he took some bread and Eucharistio, gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it into pieces and gave, to, gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Jesus takes the word thanksgiving, Eucharistio, give thanks, and he attaches himself to it. In fact, Ann Voskamp is so helpful in understanding this. Here's what she says. The root word for Eucharistio is the Greek word charis, which means grace. Jesus, he took the bread and saw it as grace and gave thanks. He, he took the bread and knew it to be a gift and gave thanks. And then she says, Eucharistio, which is thanksgiving, it envelopes charis, which is grace, but it also holds its derivative. The Greek word kara, which means joy. Grace, thanksgiving, and joy, all wrapped up in one, all pointing to the gift of salvation. Jesus, he holds up the bread to say, give thanks to it, but what is he giving thanks for? His own body that will be broken. He's saying, give thanks for me, for salvation, for what I am going to do for you on the cross, and then eventually in the resurrection. Can you imagine every single day, if we did what Tim Keller says to do, and to preach the gospel to ourselves every day, that we are more flawed than we ever dared dreamed, we are more loved than we ever dared hoped because of the cross, because of the resurrection. You thank God for the gift of salvation that you and I get to unwrap after we die, but also on this earth. It will change your perspective. How often do we thank God for giving himself for us? And we talk and we think about that all day. You put your mind on the gospel. You put your mind on what Jesus has done for you. And you give thanks to him no matter what you're going through. It will change your thought process, which will change your life. The Apostle Paul, he colors this in even a little bit more. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. He says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you. We belong to Christ Jesus. I had coffee this past week with a friend, one of the most joy-filled men I've ever met in my life. And as he came in to Panera that morning, I could just tell he was just drained. He had no joy. And as he sat down, I know he's going through a really hard time, and he sits down, and he's like, Eric, he's like, it's gotten worse. I'm like, how has it gotten worse? And he starts to tell me a snippet of his story. I'm like, oh my God goodness. I don't even know what to say. I'm so sorry. And then he goes, oh, well, it gets worse. And he told me this. I'm like, oh my goodness, how could they do this to you? And he goes, oh, it gets worse. I'm like, how can it keep getting worse? And he kept going and going and going. And my heart broke for him. So many times he was in tears telling me this story. It's, it's ruining so much of what he has built up in his life. And I, I didn't even know really what to say. And then he looks at me and says, Eric, I want you to know I'm thankful for this. And I'm like, thankful? How can you be thankful for this? Your whole life is going to be completely changed forever because of this. How, how can you be thankful? And he goes, Eric, it has brought me closer to God than I've ever been before. It has brought my wife and I closer to each other than we ever have been before. It is showing me things about life and about myself and about God I've never seen before. And I thought to myself, he's living out what Paul says to be thankful in all circumstances. 
It's easy for you and I to have a victory at work or in our families or something good to happen, and we like, thank you, God. But when something really bad happens to you, how often do we stop and say thank you to God for it? I surely don't. I'm usually complaining and yelling at somebody or being frustrated. I can't sleep. I mean, my mind, my, those 70 thousand have gone, 70, thoughts have gone from 80% negative to 99.9% negative. It is that bad. And yet this guy's saying, give thanks. And I thought to myself, that's interesting. Because God promises good will come out of this for those who trust and believe in him. Now, you can take that verse out of context, and you read that, you're like, this isn't good. And I will tell you, no, it doesn't feel good. When you go through something tragic, or you go through suffering or pain, no, you don't think, this is, feels so great, thank you, God. But you can praise God, though it doesn't feel good, it is for your good. Because you are going to discover things about yourself, about relationships, about God himself. You could not have learned if it wasn't for the pain you're going through. Think of the pain that you just went through or the things that you're going through right now. And you may not have wished it on anybody else. And it really feels terrible. But look how it may be drawing you to Jesus or drawing you closer to your small group or to your spouse or to others. How it's teaching you lessons about yourself that you've never learned before because you had to learn it in the school of hard knocks. You can be thankful in all circumstances. And when you are, by the way, you're living out God's purposes and will for your life, which is I think all of us want to do. You see, Psalm 136, it's written for the congregation to change their perspective, to stop thinking so negatively all the time about situations and seeing them from your perspective and instead seeing them from God's perspective. And when we do that, we start to praise him and we start to thank him for all that he is and all that he has given us. They stood in the congregation and worshiped, and I want to do that together with you. So I want to ask the worship team to come out, and I want to end with worship. But before we do that, I want to put up some prompts for you on the screen, and I'm going to read them out loud, but I'm going to ask you also to read them to yourself just to thank God that he is your creator, your provider, your deliverer, and that he cares for you. And then I'm hoping whatever you're going through, it shifts something, that it short circuits those negative, repetitive thoughts that thankfulness will do for you. So I want you to stand with me for a moment, and I'm going to put these on the screen and I just want to ask you to just read them to yourself as I read them out loud. I'll give you a few seconds to ponder them. And then we can worship together. Thank you, Lord, for being my creator. Thank you for creating me in your image. For I am wonderfully and fearfully made. Thank you for how you've made me. For my value and worth comes from belonging to you. Thank you for allowing me to experience the wonders of your creation. For it points me to your majesty and your goodness. Thank you for being my deliverer. Thank you for all the ways you've brought me through various hardships in my life. 
Thank you for delivering me from my old way of life where I was enslaved to sin and shame and fear and guilt. Thank you for being my provider. Thank you for always giving me what I need and not always what I want. Thank you for bringing people into my life that encourage me to become more like Jesus. Thank you for all the little blessings that I so often take for granted. Lord, thank you for your constant care. Thank you for pursuing me in times when I've walked away from you. Thank you for meeting me in the middle of utter weakness and brokenness. Thank you for the cross and for the resurrection. For Jesus did for me what I could never do for myself. He deserves worship and praise. strong